0: Hello everybody and welcome to The Sam's Report. Today is, what is today? Today is August 12th, 2016. The month is about half over. And yeah, so we are we are rocking along. Uh, kick things off here just real quick. Throughout premium, things happening this week. Not a whole lot, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the back end. We're finally getting um, comment systems up and running. And I don't, I don't know when those are gonna go online or the forums, but we're making progress on the back end of the technical side. And we're also working on the studios. Actually, Paul is now back from vacation. So we're getting all of that up and running. But not not really anything too much you can see yet on the front end. But, yeah. Uh, other things that went on this week. I know everybody loves my health. Um, not really. I passed a kidney stone this week, which was terrible. I do not recommend one out of ten. Do not recommend a minus minus never buying again. Um, so, yeah. So, whatever. that. That went on on Wednesday, all over, all done, I'm fine. But, you know, those, those things are just, <laughs> they're not a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> there's no other way to describe it other than it's terrible. Um, so yeah, so that's passed, quite literally, and life is good. And uh, those of you who are following on Twitter this week, I, I've been on a hunt for a new router, and um, I've been going back and forth, and I, I bought into the marketing of these guys. I I bought their pitch, right? It's called Eero, E-E-R-O. And they got some like good funding. And what they're, they're essentially their marketing pitch is Wi-Fi that doesn't suck. And what it really realistically is, is it brings a mesh network into your house. So you get three access points. These things are not cheap, by the way. Uh, That box was $499, so this is a pretty serious investment on my part to see if this is going to work. And the reason why I'm doing this, and to give a little background, is you can see Surface Book sitting right here, and this is going to be the studio for when Paul and I kick off our podcast here in a few weeks. And the Wi-Fi down in my office area isn't great, so I have a 50 meg down connection and 20 up, and on this laptop right here, it'll get about 25 down, and maybe maybe on a good day, 8 to 10 up. So I'm like, you know, we're gonna be on wireless. I need to have a better connection down in my basement. So I got this thing and I was like, you know, I watched the videos, read the reviews, reviews are great. And so I set it all up and within the first four hours I had three drop connections uh, in my house. It just, my my desktop was going offline. And mind you, my desktop is wired. So a wired connection was failing. the wireless connections were completely dropping. My daughter was watching Netflix and she, you know, doesn't understand when Wi-Fi goes out. She just assumed things magically work. I uh, was freaking out and I, w- I just lost my mind. It was like, this, this should not be happening. So, of course, I go to Twitter and start complaining about it and people are saying, well, you need to let it... You get organized your house, and you need to run some firmware updates. I'm like, guys, that doesn't make sense. Like, for that much money, these things should pull out of the box, and they should set themselves up. And granted, they have a neat little app that shows nice little things, um, but I am sending it back. I Here is my Amazon return thing, and after this show, I am taking those things back because... Th- for that much money, I should be able to plug these things in and my internet should be so fast that it's downloading before I'm even thinking about it. And I, I'm really just disappointed. And some people have excellent luck with these things. Maybe I just got a bad unit. I don't really know. But it, it, the way I justify the price is that's really three routers is what that is. So you're looking at like 150 bucks a piece for three of them, which when you think of it in that aspect, it isn't so bad if if they worked flawlessly And they did not. And there's nothing worse than sitting there thinking, hey, is this really connection going to hold? You can't do a podcast over that type of stuff. And so it's going to go back. I'm on the hunt for another router. More than likely, I'm going to buy like a Nighthawk or something else. Um, And maybe a repeater. But the goal of having a nice mesh network in my house work, failed spectacularly with the Eero. And... You know that's that's the end of that. So if you're looking for those things, um, people were really interested. You're like, hey, those things look neat, but for me, they're they're not the solution that I am looking for. So unfortunately, that's what it is. A uh, couple of people keep mentioning ubiquity that. I've heard that name a couple times, and realistically, I think what I'm going to do is just go buy a nice router. Right now, actually, my current router, and this is why I want to replace it, is actually an old Apple, like, time capsule or something. Um, I have an iMac upstairs, and I was using that to back up, and it works. I mean, it, it works just fine, but we can do better, right? We can do better than that. And it's probably five years old, and it's just like, we can do better. And if we're going to be doing it down here in the office, we need the best. We need the best. So, yeah. So... Any recommendations, toss them in there, just tweet them at me. I, I've asked a lot, a couple times on Twitter, and I've got a lot of good recommendations, and we'll see what I end up going with, but that's kind of the thing. So what else is going on in the world? Uh, if you're having trouble getting the Windows 10 anniversary update, let me know. Um, it seems like the, and, and I'm not talking about the new Insider build, it seems like uh, it's taking a very long time for this to roll out. And I don't know if that's that very well could be because it's the 350 million. And when it goes out to insiders, it's roughly what, 7 million. So obviously there's a scale here, but we're well beyond a week past. And so I figured it would have been pretty widespread for people who want to get it. Now, I understand people who have it and, and have not installed it at this time. That's a whole different uh, ballgame, but there's a lot of people who are just searching for it not seeing it. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, when that kind of gets resolved, but... Yeah, so there you go. If you're not seeing it, let me know. I'd be curious to see uh, how widespread that actually is. Obviously, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and so it could just be the people that can't see it are, you know, screaming. Uh, If you do not have it, which I would imagine everybody on this podcast listening knows how to get it, but you can go get the installation media directly from Microsoft and manually update it that way. But I know not everybody really wants to do that. So other things going on this week. So I've been on the hunt for a while about this one-clip stuff, and I actually reinstalled the application on the desktop, and it still partially works. I mean, I can install it, and it it asks for this uh, sync code, which I can't get because I cannot get... I have the iOS app. Actually, I have the Android app, too. I should try it on uh, on my Nexus. And... I can't get it to actually install. It will not install at all on iOS 10, which isn't a big surprise. And so I have an actually an older iPad with iOS 8 on it, and it will not install either. Like it puts the little icon on there, but just never completes installing. And so I don't know if it's because it's corrupt. If... I don't know. I don't know enough about what's going on in the back end. Uh, but I'm trying to get this to work again, mostly because I really want to write it up and see if I can prod that Microsoft Fire a little bit and get someone over there to say, hey, whatever. Uh, one thing I did find in the documentation of it is there's actually an email. It was called beta at microsoft.com. and I emailed it, and unfortunately, it bounced. I was really hoping that it was going to get uh, forwarded to somebody or somewhere who could at least throw me a bone and say, what happened to this thing? So... Anyways, that's one clip and screwing around with that. If anybody has information, obviously shout at me, but so far I've been coming up blank on just about everything. Other things that went on this week, really interesting actually, Microsoft acquired a company called Beam, B-E-A-M. And what Beam is, for lack of a better analogy, uh, they are a Twitch competitor. If we're not familiar with Twitch, Twitch is uh, game streaming. So you can connect your console or your PC to stream. Or to Twitch and then stream games and people can watch and comment and do all that good stuff. And so Amazon bought Twitch. And Twitch has been, I think I think that was honestly a great acquisition by uh, Amazon. Um, yeah, I really do. And so Microsoft, seeing the growth in this segment or lack of, uh, I don't know, maybe integration with Twitch or whatever. They bought a company called Beam. B-E-A-M. And they do very similar things. Uh, But one thing they do allow is for the viewer to actually interact with the streamer. And not just like through chat, but they can actually like in Minecraft, for example, they can give quests and all sorts of other little things. And so it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft does with this. So it was actually announced by the Xbox team. No no surprise there. And what I think the natural integration point is, right? They build it natively into the console. I would imagine it's going to come to the PC as well. And it's just gonna be the preferred game streaming platform for PC and Xbox. Obviously, they're gonna to have to compete with Twitch. They're, it's not just gonna take that over or anything. But Microsoft can do a lot of fun stuff with native integration, like achievements and other sort of things and stats and all sorts of good stuff. So I'll be curious to see how long this takes uh, for this to materialize inside of Microsoft. But I would imagine there's no sort of, they don't have to wait for regulatory approval or any of that kind of stuff. And so I would imagine that team is already moving along with the Xbox group and uh yeah i think that's going to be kind of the next iteration of xbox live it's like hey you want free game streaming uh like a premium service buy xbox live i think they're going to bundle that in so beam good job to them they were actually a TechCrunch disrupt i think winner and they were based out of seattle and yeah that's that's what's kind of going on in that xbox world so this week, um, an interesting, really po- an interesting post came out, uh, and Paul ran with the title it says, developer. Microsoft undermined Windows 10 mobile app and our app. So this individual, who I know personally, Alan. Mendelovic, uh, Vich, Vick, I can never pronounce his last name. You might not recognize the name, but you will definitely recognize a, a duplex. And a duplex every month gives us a Windows 10 mobile or Windows phone stats. They tell us the, the phones, they tell us the market share percentages. And what a duplex is, is like an advertising platform for Windows phones. And so they have a pretty good sample sample based look at the market. And so they spun up a new a business venture called Appraisin. And what appraisin is, is an application uh, for desktop or mobile. And what it really is is an, a content aggregator. And you open it up and it shows you new apps, up and coming apps, um, new releases or new updates and all that good stuff. And they, their goal was to have 100,000 users by the end of 2016. Currently, they have, and I honestly think this is still pretty notable, but from a business perspective, it may not be. And he said they have 25,000 monthly active users, which is really good. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. Monthly active people logging into your app, at least on the Windows Mobile or Windows Phone side. But what he, his post was is that they are shutting down um, AppRaising, or they're going to stop kind of promoting it to the extent that they are. Man, there's like a hair in my eye or something. And so they're going to stop promoting it, and they're actually blaming Microsoft for the failure. And really what it kind of came down to is that Microsoft didn't want to promote their app. And I kind of understand why. Despite the fact that this app had really high reviews, I think it was 4.8 out of 5, and it comp- really updated, modern, responsive, and all that good stuff. Microsoft refused to promote it because in some aspects, it was an app store within an app store, right? You opened Raisin to kind of find new and good apps. But Microsoft, as you can imagine, doesn't always like that because they want you to look at the App Store. They don't want you to go to a third-party app to figure out what's new and cool. Uh, Microsoft should be doing that themselves. Granted, AppRaison, I believe, was doing this better than Microsoft was doing. And so Microsoft didn't really want to promote it. They did eventually cave a little bit and kind of gave them some promotional love in the Windows Store, but not a lot. And so, uh, Alan goes on to kind of blame Microsoft for not giving them enough promotional credit, and also the fact that they undermined the install base of Windows 10 Mobile by not offering uh, upgrades to every single user, so they have a really small base, and Windows 10 Mobile even shrunk that a little bit. So... It's kind of an interesting read. I recommend you checking it on Thread. He has a direct link, uh, Paul has a direct link to the actual post on there. But it's really just kind of the developer side of what happens when Microsoft abandons a platform like they did with Windows 10 Mobile and when they don't give you enough promotional love on the UWP side to independent developers. It's just a, it's just a different side of the, of the development world. And it's it's really good read regardless if you um, buy into that Microsoft you know screwed him over or not. It's just an interesting perspective, and I really recommend you take a look. So that is what's going on uh, with that post. It kind of went crazy, actually. A lot of people were, were reading that. Uh, other things that are happening. Microsoft opened two stores this week in Nashville and Boca Raton. And this actually raises another question, and I've been trying to figure out if this is worthy of writing up. Paul and I have talked about doing like a yin and yang style post for something like this. Is So Microsoft opened two new Microsoft stores. How well are these stores doing? We don't know. Microsoft won't ever give us, give us statistics other than on the rare occasion, uh, the New York-based store is always really jam-packed. But like every other store I've ever been to, one here in Cincinnati, um, a couple other around the country have been the ones out in California, um, they're always empty. And so is it is Microsoft justified to their shareholders? And I always hate kind of using shareholder value, but that's what this is. In maintaining all of these Microsoft stores, or is it just kind of wasted money? There's really strong reasonings for both, right? I think they should maintain them because it's good brand recognition. You go into a store and you see a Microsoft. Um, you can now buy you know, your Surface books directly from them and, and get your support from all those guys and all the other services. And you just walk right in there and get it. And it, to be honest, it is a much, much, much better experience than say Best Buy. But on the other hand, if they're not making money, if they're just a cash suck, then it's kind of hard to justify keeping them open. But at the same time, Apple does it, so they should be doing it. Um, Google doesn't, but we'll see. We will see what happens with these stores. <sighs> so the big stuff that happened yesterday, and late in the day, mind you, late in the day, at least late in the day for me, later for much, much later for people, anybody who's in Europe, New build of Windows 10 Redstone, uh, Redstone 2, actually, uh, actually, Redstone 2. This is the first build that we are getting in, what is it, 14.901? And right off the back, if you are not seeing this build, don't freak out. Microsoft has clarified many times that because this is coming from a new branch, it's going to take a while for things to roll out. It's That's just the nature of a new branch. Uh, it's provisioning. Now there is supposedly a trick, I I was fortunate enough to be able to see it right away, that if you unenroll from the Insider Preview Program and then re-enroll, that it will help you, uh, it'll help kind of like, I don't know, spur things on the back end, and will get you back in line to get the build, uh, and to get get it faster. I believe Mahiti, I saw him struggling with this on Twitter, and I think it worked for him. And so you can totally try that. To be honest, there's no real rush for this one. I mean, it's great to be on the, on the bleeding edge of this kind of stuff, but there's only one thing that's really new, and their file, and I'm, and I'm struggling with this, and I'd love to know if any of you guys have any more insight about why they're doing this, is Microsoft is introducing notifications inside of File Explorer, and so what they, they showed like this banner ribbon inside of File Explorer, and so here's, here's, um, Here's my problem, or my question. File Explorer is quite possibly one of the oldest things in Windows. It's been around since what, like Windows XP? And everybody knows File Explorer. If you don't know File Explorer at this point, it's, I I struggle to help you because at that point, it's nothing that's changed. It's not like it's a new start menu. It's not like it's Live Tiles. It's not like it's Action Center. This has literally been a foundational point of Windows for decades. And so now they're putting like these little flags in, or these notifications to help people use it. And it's like, really, like, is that what's needed? Is that what's missing from Windows at this point? Um, now, I say that with a grain of salt because... Realistically, because I, I think these have to be part of a bigger picture. I realistically hope that they are. This is a part of a bigger update that's coming to Redstone, and, and, you know, in three months from now, will be like, oh, that's why they did it. But on the cover, it seems a little odd that this is a feature that they're including. Granted, this is the first build uh, since release, and there's already a new feature in it you know feature in quotation that's kind of crazy yeah you know good job microsoft you're getting this stuff pushed out really really quick but i don't know that one's just a little bit odd to me uh speaking of other things other things that are in this new build uh cloud files i know i keep talking about these um i think it was one of the guys on twitter i can't cannot remember his name so i apologize uh keeps a very it's not walking cap Uh, keeps a very close eye on these cloud files and he monitors every single change that occurs. And for a while they stagnated towards the end of RS1. The first build of RS2, there are changes to cloud files, which cloud files, I'm almost positive, are uh, placeholder files for OneDrive. And they might have bigger implications, there might be other features too, but they're making progress on it, which to me tells me that RS2 is gonna actually include cloud files as a feature. So uh, if you're not familiar with placeholders, Put something up in the cloud and it retains a local uh, file on your machine and you double click it and it just streams the file down and hey you have that file without it actually taking up any storage space on your machine. Now the, the downside to that is in a user that's not educated about this stuff might think hey that's on my machine disconnect from the internet and bam they don't have their file. So there's gonna have to be some user education. Microsoft might be able to come up with some creative way to educate the user about this but that the cloud files are really pumped. I'm hoping that Microsoft will actually talk more about these here soon, but I'm not holding my breath about this stuff. We know it's coming, we can see them, we can see the progression. So, yes, I am looking forward to those because I have a lot of stuff up on OneDrive and I have to use the OneDrive app, which isn't terrible, it's not great though. Um, I mean, it's better than most of the other apps that I use, but it's still, it's not a great way to use OneDrive. So Redstone 2, I'm curious if anybody had any issues. Um, I always like to ask this question when installing the build. Um, I did not personally have any issues. I know people seeing it uh, sometimes have issues, or obviously are still having issues right now seeing it, but um, I can't imagine that there's any big, major underlying changes at this point that are gonna corrupt an install or anything like that. I'm still running it in a VM. Um, Actually, that machine is running it as well. So my desktop, I always run it in a VM because I need this thing rock steady. Uh, for just work and podcasting and basically making fun of Paul. That's half of my day, is just harassing him. So, curious if anybody ran into issues. Don't believe so, but whatever. Uh, Also in the post that announced Redstone 2, and I I hate this term. (laughs) I really do. I've grown to hate it because I think it's overused. The term is laser-focused. Laser, laser laser-focused. So, Microsoft said that they are laser-focused on getting Windows 10 M, M being mobile, anniversary edition released. They're laser-focused. What does that even mean? Like, laser-focused, I guess, means, like, they're really pinpointed and, and drilled in, and they're getting it done. Like, getting it done, which, why wasn't it done with the desktop? I can tell you why it's not done. is because nobody cares about Windows 10 mobile inside of Microsoft. It's, a, it's an afterburner. It's a secondary thought. Everything everything must come before Windows 10 Mobile, and then they'll get to that. And so, I don't know. I don't know when they're coming. There, were some, there, there was some uh, focus, or somebody said August 9th it was coming, and then Donna's like, no, that's just folklore. And yeah, so it's obviously not here. I don't know when it's coming. Personally, at this point, it's just... It's just frustrating that they won't tell us, like, a date. Maybe it's because they don't know. Maybe because they haven't allocated the resources to finishing it up because the install base is so small, and they can probably see that it's dwindling every day because of their lack of enthusiasm for the platform. Now, granted, when I say Windows to Mobile, I don't mean universal apps. Universal apps, I think, are actually doing all right, at least from uh, my perspective. You know, we're getting some Starbucks and getting some bigger name stuff, but, you know, the mobile users, the people who still rock these guys, Um, yeah, so that's what's going on with that. Anyways, uh, something that, uh, Dan wrote up this week, uh, surface book two, he is hearing that the lovely hinge, this guy, this nice little hinge, if you're watching, you can see it. Audio, you can't. But it's the gap between the display and the keyboard, uh, the the folklore hinge or whatever, or fulcrum him double fulcrum hinge as they call it or whatever, is supposedly going away on the Surface Book too. That's what he's hearing. Is that Microsoft just found a way to get rid of it? And I kind of got mixed feelings about this. One, I think, I mean, granted, th- that's somewhat lost space in there. But these things are tiny enough as they are. I gaining back what is that? That's probably a quarter of an inch, quarter of an inch in there. Um, isn't like, gonna totally change the world. I, I don't know, I kind of like the shape of it. I think it's just, I th- it's like an iconic shape for Microsoft. Sure, it's not the most form functioning perfect shape because it's not completely lay flat, but I mean, I, you can beat on these things. There's no issue. I've never heard of anybody's hinge uh, collapsing. I mean, maybe if you stood on it or drove over it with a car, At that point, your laptop would be broken anyways. But I think it gives it, like, a nice little iconic, like, look. Like, you can look across a room and say, oh, yeah, that's a Surface Book. Like, there's some value in that. And so, supposedly, um, I don't know. It's going away. That's what Dan's hearing. I haven't heard anything. I haven't really poked around too much to see what other people are hearing. But that's kind of the first rumor about Surface Book 2. And that's really about all that he had was that that... uh, design is is going away so we'll see we'll see if that materializes uh first of all but kind of got me thinking it's like what would i want in a surface book two? so if they kept the same form factor uh i don't want it any thinner microsoft do not make your stuff any thinner it is thin enough i want larger battery give me the biggest freaking battery you can put in there be known build your brand around being known for having epic battery life that would be amazing like if if microsoft could send the benchmark not for thinness because i think we've reached a, a tipping point there's no reason to go any thinner microsoft could set the benchmark for having the best battery life just shove batteries wherever the frick you can uh inside this thing give me a better battery life an OLED, OLED display, which completely goes against better battery life. So pick your poison, I guess. But that one O L E D display would be absolutely fantastic. They are gorgeous on a laptop. If you haven't seen, I know H P has some. I think Lenovo. I remember seeing them at C E S, and I was like, yeah, it really can't be that much better. But when you see it, it's the colors are. Are so rich you feel like you could just take a paintbrush and just put them on the screen and then just you know continue coloring like the, the colors are amazing on those displays uh usb type c i think that's a given that everybody wants especially for charging that would be quite nice Cabby lake they're not going to go with i don't know what other processes they go to and so those are kind of it so bigger batteries OLED display, USB Type-C charging, and cabby. That would be a really freaking solid update to the Surface Book. And I still think they're coming uh, next year. So uh, realistically, now's not a bad time to buy one. You could probably get at least nine months out of it before they're updated, give or take. So that's kind of like the wish list for Surface Book 2. Surface Pro 5, uh, somebody said should be nuclear powered. That would be fantastic as well. But I, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of changes in this guy. So this is the Pro 4 with my the Bengals cover. Um, but I actually just re, re-imaged this machine completely. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of changes in this. I think they've kind of really honed in. But the difference between the Surface 3 and the Surface Pro 4, uh, not a whole lot. I think we would just see, hopefully, USB Type-C charging. Again, battery life would be incredible. An OLED display would be absolutely amazing. And I think that would be enough of an update for something like that. I'm going back and forth on whether or not we'll see an OLED display or not. That's kind of a a really big change. uh, Bigger than you think because Microsoft does touch screens, remember? And so they've got this optical bonding thing going on. And it's not exactly just, oh, we'll just swap it out and everything will just be peachy. So, yeah, that's kind of what I would like to see. And then one of the last things Dan uh, wrote up was for Surface All-in-One, he said he's hearing three desi- sizes, and this is not a surprise to anybody ever. Um, they're testing a 21, no kidding, uh, 24, and a 27, the basic standard size of every glass monitor that's made. Why are they building in that size? Because the resolution is already set. We already know what type of display we can use, but what I would honestly like Microsoft to do is make it the same, you know, make it the same layout as the surface book. what, it, what these aren't uh, what are these like sixteen by ten? I can't can't remember the exact uh, resolution, but they're not sixteen by nine. I would love to see them actually kind of break the mold here and create their own size display that mimics what they did with the Pro 4 and the Surface Book. Because you can snap two apps perfectly on those displays, and they look gorgeous. So, there we go. That's kind of what's going on in the Surface Hardware thing. Uh, Good news for Microsoft, by the way. Good news for Microsoft. Oh, somebody uh, to jump back. Surface Book, uh, as Windows 10 fan writes in the comments. Surface Book is a 3x2 display. That is correct. I, was, I knew it wasn't 4x3, so 3x2 would be an amazing monitor resolution. It's a little bit different, a little bit risky, but hey, that's what Microsoft does with the Surface brand. Anyways, good news for the Xbox uh, One this week. Actually, the reports out are that the Xbox One was the best-selling console for the month of July. So Microsoft this is a big win for them because they have been trailing Sony just about every single month. And so why why July? A uh, couple good reasons. One, uh, the price got cut, right? It's 250 bucks. It's even cheaper to acquire a device now. And I don't know how they account for these, but I believe I would have to think that the Xbox One S sales were also included. Uh, the pre-orders were also included in the month of July. So between those two things they outsold the Sony ps4, which is a good thing for gamers. I mean no matter the camp you're in, I have an Xbox one or if you're Sony, the best possible scenario is that Microsoft and Sony both sell 5050 is that they both own, uh, in the the hardcore gaming market, not including the Nintendo, 50%. Because if, if one gets too far ahead, then it's not good for the other competitors. So we want these things to be even. So the fact that Microsoft is gaining a little bit is good. And not that Microsoft is going to leave the console market anytime soon. We already know Scorpio is coming. Sony announced that they're going to announce their next-gen console in, I believe, September. So these things aren't going away anytime soon. But, you know... It's good for all of these companies to be competitive because we, the consumer, wins. If there was only one, uh, if Microsoft was the only console, I guarantee you that Xbox One would not be 250 bucks right now. It would be much more expensive. So, there you go. Uh, Xbox One, good job. So, if you're a Threat Premium member, and I hope you are, but if not, I totally understand why and no biggie. But, check it out. Uh... I, I kind of concluded my test of Edge. So I ran with Edge for about 10 days. And there were a lot of good things. And the good things were good things for Edge, but not for a browser. It, it didn't crash. Um, I really didn't have any display issues. And quite frankly, it worked for the most part. Uh, no major like game-stopping problems. But the problem I have with Edge... Is and and this actually Mary Jo Foley was commenting on this, and so was Aiden Finn. We were talking about it on Twitter. Is that there's some performance issues, especially like uh, TweetDeck is very notoriously heavy on on a browser, and after an hour or two, you get some scrolling performance, and there were some other other problems. But here's the the underlying issue with Edge. For and this is from the perspective of somebody who's using Chrome. Why would you switch to Edge? from Chrome on a desktop. You're not getting the battery life performance improvements. You might get a little bit better resource management, but you know that Chrome is pretty well rock solid. Granted, it's not perfect. Uh, We we know Chrome eats eats RAM like it's a free continental breakfast at a hotel. I mean, it just goes crazy on it. Uh, 4K scaling with Chrome is, quite frankly, pretty bad. I actually have to turn off hardware acceleration to get the text to render uh, clear. And so Chrome is far from perfect, but there's not enough reasons yet to switch to Edge. Like Cortana integration in Edge d- doesn't really do me any significant value. Um, the fact that you can't right mouse click in Edge and click search, you can only click ask Cortana, which puts it in a little pain, like really is annoying because I right click things all the time, especially when I was researching routers. You double click the name, right mouse click, hit open a new tab. You can't do that in Edge um, or you can't search that in Edge real f- seamlessly like you can with uh, Chrome. Now, here's the thing. If you are a clean install of Windows and you just, you know, you just bought your brand new HP Spectre, the new uh, high-end one, and you're using Edge, there's no real reason why you would switch from Edge to Chrome either. I mean, unless you're deeply embedded in, in Chrome, for like the lay user, Edge is fine. They will open it up. It doesn't crash. It does pretty much everything they would need at the basic levels now, which is good for Microsoft, and hopefully that will stem the bleeding That'll send the bleeding of users from Edge to Chrome. But now, Chrome or Edge is at least a viable browser that they can promote with some confidence that it's not going to crash and it's not horrible. So, there you go. Um, I am back on Chrome. Uh, I may jump back and forth to Edge. There's no, I go back and forth. I'm not really religious and stick with one only. I just kind of go with whatever I need at the moment. But, there you go, I am back on Chrome until Microsoft gives me a very clear reason to switch to Edge. And being being even isn't a reason. I need a reason that's better, right? You need that, you, they need that killer feature that, that's what's missing. And so maybe it's a bunch of minor features that build up to be a killer feature product. You know, the, the web notes and Edge and on a laptop, okay, I, I'm pr- on my laptop, I'll likely use Edge because of the better battery life. They win there. And so that is good. Um, The other issue, oh god, this is a fun bug, by the way, uh, with Edge. I actually just saw it on Twitter as Paul was complaining about it. If you open a web page and you scroll around a bunch and then you hit control F to find a word, it doesn't, one, it doesn't highlight the word on the page or it doesn't select it. And sometimes it doesn't even tell you that there are. Like, uh, I was searching for things on Twitter and I'd, I'd get a whole big page of Twitter tweets Hit control F, type a word, and it would say zero out of 12 until you hit enter like two more times, and then it would search the whole page. But yeah, so there we go. So that's the kind of the edge thing. I wish the guys the best of luck. Keep chugging along, you guys. Have, the edge has made remarkable leaps and bounds since the 1511, the November update. Microsoft has come very far in the months that between that gap. So I'm really looking forward to see where they go to next and how they make the next big jump. But for now, I think I'm going to stick with Chrome uh, until Chrome, you know, screws up inevitably again and gets in my way of what's going on. So what's going on for Microsoft for the rest of the month? Well, now that insider builds are rolling out, I don't think we're going to start seeing the super massive frequency that we were uh, at the end of Redstone 1 completion. Mostly because when they introduce new features and new code, then things tend to break. And they're not going to push push out a build that they know is going to break a whole bunch of stuff. So I think we're going to start to see more builds. I don't know how the frequency will be. And I don't know what they're going to do for feature locks and feature releases because they do sometimes uh, like to keep these things like under wraps because of events like build and whatnot. They come out and say, hey, look at all these sweet features. But there we go. So new builds should be coming out relatively frequently, but don't expect like the three a week like we had been seeing because that was final code. And they're just basically trying to find an RTM build at that point. So, the insider tip of the week is if you do not have the new build yet, just be patient. You can try the trick to log in or de-enroll and then re-enroll yourself to get into the insider program. But, there you go. Just be patient. Be patient with insider stuff at this point. that's really the best you can do. They're, you're not missing anything. Like if there was some sweet new feature that was like, uh, I don't know, like cloud files were working or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, you know, go use the installation media or go find the ESD and create your own ISO and install. You're not missing really anything with this build. So other than some flag notifications of File Explorer, which you already know how to use. This has been another edition of the Sam's Report. I appreciate everybody watching and have a good weekend.